Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I would welcome anything that would help to protect the children further. The same speed we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We'll talk more about it later in the morning. Uh, the Red Cross will join me uh, as we ask you to support the Cork's 96FM Ukraine Crisis Appeal. We're working with the Red Cross to raise as much as we can because the fighting and the shelling is continuing across Ukraine. Huge humanitarian crisis getting worse by the hour. Women and children suffering without even basic, basic human essentials. The basic things that you did this morning. You washed yourself. You made a cup of tea. You put your clothes on. You sat in your nice warm house and had your breakfast. These are the simple basic essentials. Your medicine was there if you needed it. Your painkillers were in the medicine cabinet if you wanted them. You had clean water, a safe warm house. They don't have that right now. The women and children, especially of Ukraine, they don't have access to basic emergency services. They don't have medicine. They don't have even the drinking water that came out of the tap. They don't have that right now. The Irish Red Cross needs your help. And as I said, we'll link up with them later in the program. But you can donate right now right now as we speak this is happening across all of our wireless group stations in the country but you can donate right now to the Cork's 96FM Ukraine crisis appeal all you need to do go to 96FM.ie forward slash aid so it's 96FM.ie forward slash aid just that little three letter word A-I-D do what you can Um, coming up later on the emergency accommodation system that we have the Corkman calling for a Gain, I, I just a, a complete shift in how we do that. Uh, he's pointing out many flaws in it. That we just need to change how we do that. The growth of bee businesses. Yes, bee businesses. Beeswax, for example, that you can use to wrap a sandwich in and take it home and clean it and use it again tomorrow. Cork Woman has a very successful line going. 
in that work. And yesterday came up talking when Fiona, and thanks yesterday, thanks for yesterday, Fee. She was talking to Ger O'Brien, and he mentioned the subject of people pleasing. Um, do you ever think about whether you are a people pleaser? There's a little bit of it in all of us, but some are worse than others. Some of, with some of us, it becomes debilitating. It can lead to being overwhelmed. So that's all coming up during the morning. As I said, more on the Red Cross appeal later this morning. But I want to go now to... I'm going, I think, to Ukraine, uh, to Kiev. And Mikola, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, sir. Good morning. My name is PJ. Um, Mikola, um, you are a team leader in Father's House in Kiev, and this is supported by the Great National uh, Cause. Tell, tell me about the work that you do. Uh, uh, general or right now? In general, and then we'll talk about the situation right now. Uh, okay, uh, in general. So I'm a member of uh, a team uh, of leaders of the Father's House, uh, and uh, um, so my role uh, was to conduct uh, uh, new projects. Uh, uh, it's related to the um, a kind of professional uh, training of uh, children that uh, um, teenagers, you know, they are learning certain professional skills, especially we um, had our uh, uh, small coffee uh, shop and uh, children uh, learn how to do that. And uh, we had a greenhouse. uh, So we had um, some other uh, projects that we involved the children to learn um, skills and kind of to prepare them uh, for adult life. So, but right now, yeah, uh, our roles are a bit uh, changed. Yes, yes. Um, you're, you're, you're doing your best now just to keep the, the children safe. And, and I know that you can't tell me where, but they have been moved from where you speak to me now. The children have been moved. So describe what's around you. Nicola, at this stage, it, it, how how bad is the situation outside the door? Uh, of course, it was um, it was very dangerous uh, uh, for children to stay here, and um, decision have been made just uh, in a couple hours. And uh, uh, praise God that uh, He has helped to organize because it was uh, difficult to find even buses or transportation who would be willing to move from this place to towards the west uh, uh, of Ukraine because it was uh, very dangerous uh, to go. Uh, but uh, praise the Lord, yeah, uh, all children um, uh, have crossed the um, border and they are uh, right now in uh, Germany in um, uh, camps, so and they just adjusting there. Um, How many children are involved? And, uh, Michael? How many children? Um, we have uh, uh, transferred uh, about um, uh, over one hundred fifty children, uh, and. Uh, uh, and also then rest uh, uh, families and children or like um, we had a mother and baby center that we had to uh, uh, move them towards the west of Ukraine and they waiting there right now uh, to be picked up uh, to go to Poland or Germany or elsewhere. Um, 
to the safe place. So uh, we are now uh, kind of collecting people and uh, transfer, uh, trying to uh, direct them to the west of Ukraine in special place where they're waiting and <clears throat> bus will be organized uh, or two buses, how many is needed uh, to take them okay. out. <clears throat> and what are you seeing? I mean, did your center, your your house is, is there in, in Kiev. What, what's it like um, outside now? Uh, what, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, um, pictures that you have, um, see on uh, <clears throat> on internet or as uh, it's shown all over the world uh, on news, it's true. <clears throat> it's true, but, uh, you know, on pictures it's a bit, uh, it, it's look awful, but in reality it's probably double. It's worse. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm. Okay. okay, okay, it's difficult. I know. What can you see? I mean, are you are you safe where you are right now, Michael? Are you physically safe where you? Yes, are? Uh, yes. Physically, we are safe. Praise the Lord, because uh, yeah, He is our protection, and um, around us uh, is uh, a battle is going on, and uh, you can hear or we hear um, uh, all those um, sounds of. Um, uh, uh, military weapons that uh, protecting uh, uh, area, Kiev area, Kiev uh, region. Because yeah, they uh, uh, are you Russians, near? Are you came, near the fighting, Mikola? Are you near to where the fighting is? How mm, to say? Reasonably, reasonably near. Maybe about fifteen, twenty kilometers. That's very near. It's very near. And do you have protection there? Do you have a basement? Do you have a shelter? Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, we have a basement, and um, uh, uh, but also, yeah, we have here like uh, uh, local uh, groups uh, of civil uh, civilians that uh, having even uh, uh, weapons, but they are organized and they are. Uh, I don't know, maybe if partisans, you know, like not partisans, but they're really um, ready to face uh, uh, yeah. Russians. Yeah, and uh, we're quite uh, safe uh, right Good. now, so, so far. Good, and long may that continue, and long may you have that, that, that safety. Your president yes, and, your and people uh, we receive are very because, yeah, we, yeah, we receive food. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You have Hello? you have food. You you have food. Do you? Uh, we, we receive. Yeah, we have food. We receive a lot of. Uh... Okay. Go ahead. I can hear uh, you. Something. Uh, uh, we receive uh, some um, food provision from the west of Ukraine from uh, Good Samaritan uh, Mission and. Uh, we are giving away it to people and to um, <clears throat> those who in need, okay. who are sitting in uh, uh, bomb shelters and, uh, and and other places. And also, uh, if um, soldiers need, also we also supply them uh, food. Very good, very good. Your people and your president, Mikola, have been incredibly brave. 
for the last week and a, and, and a half. We are, we are in awe of them here as we watch them. Uh, yes. Yeah, and um, yeah. yeah. Phenomenal people. Phenomenal people. And listen, thank you for speaking with me. You, you stay safe. I wish you safety. It's the only thing we have that we can give you other than sending aid, thank which you. we're trying to do. But I wish you safety and safety to your team and safety to your yeah. work, Mikola. Thank you for being with me today, uh, live from uh, Kiev, where I think he is so close to the fighting that he's... I, I, I get the sense he's got one eye out the window uh, looking to know what's happening next. Uh, I certainly get that sense from him there as he's, he's hesitating. He's in the orphanage in Kiev called Father's House. Uh, Father's House is supported by the Cork charity Greater Chernobyl Cause uh, my old friend Fiona Corcoran, uh, very much uh, the driving force behind that for many years now. You can donate to the Greater Chernobyl Cause at their website, greaterchernobylcause.ie. Uh, you can also contact Fiona directly, Corcoran Fiona at aircom.net, if you want to help with shipping costs for aid. And they have a unit in the Southside Industrial Estate, Paladuff Road. If you want to go in there and help, the Greater Chernobyl Cause has been doing this work in Cork for well over 20 years. And Fiona is regularly over and back to that part of the world and knows it better than most. And that's one of the people with whom she works regularly. That's uh, Mikola, uh, one of the team leaders in Father's House in Kiev. And you could tell there towards the end of our conversation, I, I get the sense that the, the fighting is very close. And he said, do you hear what he said? He said, whatever you're seeing on the television, whatever you're seeing on the internet, whatever pictures or videos you're seeing, it's worse. It's worse. He seemed very, very scared. The children are safe. They've got them over the border to a place of safety. But he and the team are still back in the orphanage and clearly very scared. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Fiona was chatting there to Michaela just off air I seemed really nervous about something, but before and while he was on the air with me, they're very close to the fighting. He said 10 to 15 kilometers. We were concerned about him there during the ad break, but he's okay. He's okay. Whatever was going on, it seems to have settled. Uh, so good, good to hear. Lads, just want to know if you could give a mention on the radio that the collection point for Ukraine donations in Super Value Merchants Key, they'll be finishing up today around half 11. If anybody has any donations, all collections dropped off by midday. So the collection point there, Super Value Merchants Key, 11.30. They'll be wrapping up their collection point. So happy to mention that for them. And yes, he's on his way to Doha in Qatar to take part in the World Amateur Snooker Championship. Biggest uh, event in World Amateur Snooker, the World Championships in Doha. Noli Landers from Yall headed out. Young, young man. Works as a, as a carer, actually, by day, but his passion is snooker. And he's heading out to be in, to take part in the World Amateur Snooker Championships. His dream is to turn pro. 
at one point very soon. Wish him luck with that. 0818969696. A jury of seven women and five men returned a unanimous verdict yesterday of manslaughter in the case of the man accused of murdering uh, Timmy Howrahan in October of 2019. Uh, James Brady, aged 28, of Shannon Lawn in Mayfield, was found not guilty of murder but guilty of manslaughter. Liz Dunphy's been covering this case for the Irish Examiner and she joins me. She's on the line. Is she free? Okay. Hi, Liz. Good morning. Liz, just explain for listeners at the end of a case like this, there were, there were three verdicts, aren't there? There's, a, there's guilty of murder, not guilty of murder, and not guilty of murder, guilty of manslaughter. Just, just l- l- set out for us how this went down. Yeah, so basically it was it was a long trial in Waterford. It was reaching its fifth week by the time the verdict, the unanimous verdict, as you said, was returned yesterday. Um, there was obviously some um, a lot of debate within the jury before they returned that verdict because they returned it after beyond more than 12 hours of deliberation. So as you said, they, they had three options available to them. They could have acquitted uh, James Brady of the murder of Mr. Horhan. They could have convicted him of the murder or they could have found him guilty of his manslaughter, which carries a lighter penalty than murder um, generally. So that's the, that's the conviction that they went for in the end. So basically that conviction is manslaughter is, is when somebody somebody kills someone unlawfully, but when the intent isn't there to cause death or serious harm. So yeah, so that's basically the, the results that they came out with yesterday. Brady kind of nodded very slowly as that verdict was delivered um, in, in the court yesterday, he's now been remanded in custody until sentencing on March 28th, which will take place in Dublin. Um, and apparently a probation report and a victim impact statement is to be made available to the court at that time. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a result. Um, it's obviously still, it's still a terribly sad day for Mr. Horan's family. He was a father of one and a trained chef who was unfortunately um, homeless at the time of his death. And he was basically beaten to death in court. City on October 13th in 2019 at the Maradike Walk, which was an area where people who were homeless were kind of camping out at that time. Um, so, yeah, he, he, Mr. Brady, um, who has now been convicted of his manslaughter, as you said, he had repeatedly denied murdering Mr. Horahan. He had said that he had tried to pull another man off Mr. Horahan during the attack, that Mr. Horahan was his friend. Um, so, so, yeah, it was a very emotional and difficult trial, really. Justice Deirdre Murphy, who was the presiding judge, she thanked the jury for their diligent service and actually excused them from jury duty for the next 10 years as a sign mm. of gratitude. And she also commended Gardee for their very detailed investigation of the case. And she said that in their thoroughness, they vindicated the right to life of, of Timothy Horahan. And she also thanked um, the participants in the trial for very dignified behaviour throughout what was, what was a difficult trial, essentially. And she commended the bystanders who went to the assistance of Mr. Horahan that night in a situation which she said was fraught with danger. And she named them in court as Kian Duggan and Kieran Stanley, Nicole Srock Stanley and Katrina Donegan. They were basically just bystanders who all stopped when they saw a tent on fire that night off Maradike Walk and went to try to help Mr. Horahan, who was, you know, essentially dying on the ground at that stage. It must have been a very traumatic event for them too. 
Um, so another man has actually also been charged with Mr. Horan's murder, but he can't be named for legal yeah, reasons. Yeah, I, I was about to ask you about that because it's been a difficult from a reporting point of view, Liz. Obviously, it's been difficult because of this other man who, whose name or any element of his identity we can't give. But what listeners will ask is, what's happening with him now? Where's that going? So that will be going to trial whether it's later this year or next year, who knows? Um, I was speaking to to a number of sources who said that they think it will be later this year. Um, but yeah, that, that trial is yet to go ahead. A date hasn't been set for it yet, as far as I'm aware. And that is why we were not able to identify him, because it will be a, a separate trial at a later date, and therefore uh, we, we cannot name him for that reason. Thank you, Liz. Liz Dunphy of the Irish Examiner, uh, covering the case of James Brady. 28 years of age from Shannon Lawn. Not guilty of the murder, but guilty of the manslaughter of Timmy Howran, who died in October 2019. A second man will go on trial at a later date, and that is why we haven't been able to name that second man. People are always interested to know when they say you can't be named for legal reasons, what's the legal reason? Well, that's the legal reason. His trial will happen later. 0818. 969696 96 Centre on Shandon Street are accepting donations for Ukraine. Thanks for that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Okay, with regard to Super Value Merchants Key, just to repeat the message that we have, uh, because I think there seems to be a little confusion. The collection point for Ukraine donations at Super Value Merchants Key, that collection point will finish around half eleven. All collections will be dropped in by midday. So that's all we know about that. Some people wanted to know our, our super value stopping their collection at Merchant's Key. The collection point for the super value collection, that will be wrapping up at 11.30. That's the only information they have just now. But happy to clarify. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Paul got in touch with us because his brother is living in emergency accommodation in the city at the moment and he's been told he'll have to leave the accommodation and go back to living in a hostel he doesn't want to do that Paul's very concerned about his brother and got in touch with us good morning Paul good morning Peter now we're protecting a lot of people's identity here so you'll be uh, you, you'll, you'll understand that yeah. tell me the situation though with your brother uh, uh, to whatever extent you can so basically, we're on the merry go round again with Cork City Council. Okay. Um, Jamie was in uh, the Vincent's hostel uh, prior to getting the property off the council. Um, he moved in there into the property and it was funded by the council pre COVID. Right. And during, because the pandemic now is over, um, well, entirely over. Uh, they're cutting the funds on the property and they want Jamie to move back into a, a homeless hostel again. Right. Right, so um, so they moved him out as one of the 
COVID precautions, as it were. And now, uh, no, no, Jamie, Jamie will not move out of the house. He's uh, no, no, no. I'm saying that in, initially, when he was staying in the Vincents, the council moved him to emergency accommodation, and now they've said yeah. that they're not funding that anymore because it was for the COVID duration of COVID, and now COVID is effectively over. Um, yeah, and they want um, him to go back to where he was, and he said not. He said he's not going to go. Yeah, like if you think of it, like. When you have someone inside in a, a homeless hospital like that, it's a, it's 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 not a nice place to be. And then to be moved out of that and put into a, a, a like a house share that they kind of set up, and then to be told a year and nine months later, actually no, get out, is a, it's it's disgraceful. How much time have they given him? Uh, he was supposed to leave yesterday. Um, so he's he he didn't budge from the place. Okay, he's he's staying there. He's not moving. And without identifying the place, is it is it B and B accommodation or is it where is it? What is it? Well, basically, PJ, it's owned by a private landlord. Okay, um, okay, and, but, and and it's it's kind of it, it's a self catering situation. He's been living there and looking after himself for the last year and nine months. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and the council has been looking after the rent. Is that right? Yeah, they were funding it the whole time. Yeah, right, first, right, right. and and he's he's been told now that that's coming to an end, and he needs to go back to where he was. Yeah, yeah, basically back to square one from now. Like it's you can imagine, like that's fairly, it's 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 devastating, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's not like that. He he'll have to go back into a homeless hostel again. Um, the system inside the council is a joke. Um, they need to they need to go through through their policies and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't see why he should have to go back into a homeless hostel again. He's fairly comfortable where he is. Yeah. Um, they, this, the, the place that they're in, they look after it. Yeah. Like it's their own home. I mean, you think we'd be encouraging people to try to live independently. Like, would he be eligible for HAP, Paul? He is. Now, what they wanted him to do is go into a, a place with assisted living. Right. Now, he's living independently for a year and nine months. Why, in the name of God, would they put a fella that was living on his own for a year and nine months into assisted living? That's a backward step, like. There you go, yeah. And, and the, I, I, again, we're not, we're very anxious not to identify anyone or anywhere here. But would it be a thing, do you think, that the landlord, where he presently is, would be happy to continue his tenancy if he were being paid the rent? Um. See, I don't know if the landlord. I don't know what's going on between the council and the landlord. Okay. Like, well, like yes, we're not expecting it. They, like, why can't they leave the fellas that are inside in that accommodation, leave them there and set up HAP? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, council, the council claimed this was all to do with the pandemic at the time and that now that the pandemic is effectively behind us to all intents and purposes that those arrangements come to a natural end it was due to yeah, it was a pandemic initiative there was money available from government this is what council say there was money available from, from government so that people could be spread out of the hostels and reduce contact and limit the spread of the virus and all of that and I guess that that funding seems to have come to an end now that seems to be what the council says. Yeah, but like, like with the number of people that are inside B and B's, you're actually keeping them out of the hostel, and you know, like, yeah, the B and B's are a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see why they should take people out of the B and B's, and like, like, like my brother then out of the like a house. So, so what? Does your brother need? What do you think that the council should do for him now, rather than what they said they have to do? What What do you think they should do? Well, they should be carrying on the funding for the place, and if they're not going to do that, they should provide him immediately with housing. Right. Because the alternative accommodation that they want to put him back into is an absolute joke after taking him out of it. Yeah. They took him out of it because of the pandemic and now they want him to go back to it and he's been living independently like you say looking after himself and and all of that you're speaking on his behalf with his consent because he's a bit too upset to do it and that that's understand and i'm like it's been going well for him there he's been happy there he's very happy there he's no issues he's no problems he looks after the place he minds it it's like his own house you know Mm. He gets on great with the lads inside there. Um, there's a man inside there, he's around six years of age, goes to the shop for him when he needs something. Yeah. He gets on great there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't see why he should be taken out of it. Yeah. But uh, here you go again with the city council going around in circles. And it's not only Jamie, it's there's a lot of people going around in circles with him. Yeah, he'd been, he and you both, but would be very fearful for his mental health if he has to go back. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think the fact that you're talking to me because he's too upset, I think that, that, that says a lot. Yeah, like, it's like it's devastating to be told that actually, no, get out and go back into a, a homeless hostel. Like the, the, that's a homeless hostel. It's not. It's not nice. Yeah, it's not nice at all. Yeah, I mean he's had he's had chance to settle down here now and yeah, like he thought when he got left that homeless hostel and went into this place that that was the end of that road. Right. Like nobody did anybody tell him at the time. Look, this is only temporary. No. No, he was told absolutely not, and he wasn't even told that when the pandemic is over, you have to go back over here. But he was told nothing. Yeah. He was under the belief that this is it, and yeah. there you go. Okay. Okay. And you, you, you just reckon at this stage, Paul, the whole system needs to be taken apart and rebuilt. Talking to myself a couple of weeks ago, you might, you may or may not have heard the interview with Gary O'Brien, who's been living homeless in Cork for about 15 years. He was saying pretty much the same as you do. He said it, it needs to be taken apart and rebuilt in a way that's more more people-centred, that, you know, they look more at the people rather than the the figures in front of them. Yeah, like, it needs a serious overhaul because 
they're, like, they're telling people there that if you go looking for a hot property, you go looking for a hot property, you get the farms. And if you have the farms on a Monday, you can't hand them in till Wednesday. Mm. Do you know? Like, and they're only open two days a week. Mm. And that's from half nine till 11 o'clock or something. Mm. Yeah. 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 Like, it, it's the system, the, the whole system's an absolute joke. Like, I ran to you three weeks ago myself about my own case with the prop, my own property being condemned in the whole lot. I totally recognise your voice, yeah. Yeah, and now it's, you see, it's after getting as close as to my brother now this time. Yeah. And there's nothing being done about it. Yeah, it's, it's 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 tough lines, unfortunately, Paul. And there isn't a whole pile. I could give you every platitude under the sun, but I'm not going to do that. There's no point in me doing that. Just to say that I, I, I hear your concerns and I hear what you're saying for, for Jamie. And I certainly don't have answers, but our job is to give you the platform and we've done, we've, we've done that. So wish, wish him well on our behalf. I hope it works out and I hope there's someone listening who can make sense of the whole thing. Maybe there's someone listening who'd be able to take Hap and give him a place or settle him into yeah, a place well, or something. Well, the situation stands now that Jamie is not leaving that property until the council do something. Yeah. And he's right. You know, I don't see why he should have to leave. And I don't, don't whether, think, I, I don't know whether you can answer this or not, but is his landlord happy to let him there? Um, the landlord doesn't really have ties with the property, as far as I know. Possibly. Um, it's the council are dealing with everything, okay. the place for you okay. in Cox City. Okay, that's possibly best to leave at that one then. Paul, thank you, and our best to you and our best to Jamie. 0818969696. It's not something that you could look, you could throw out platitudes here all day long and say, oh, someone will sort you out. The truth is different. And he, they're just two lads caught, caught in the system. John says if he goes back to the hostel, it means he'd be walking around the place all day. That's going to have a serious negative effect on his mental health. Right, this super value collection point. Little bit of confusion. Let's see if we can clear it up. Cora, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi. This is the Merchant's Key collection point. What's happening? So we have a trolley that's in Merchant's Key in Super Value. Right. Um, it has been there since Monday and we've been collecting for Ukraine. But today we're actually going to be collecting the last of donations at half eleven. Um, around half eleven. And then we're going to be taking them away to sort through and they'll be going to a container. Okay. So the last of the collection for our point, no one else is. It's just myself and my friend Sinead that set it up. Sure. So it's just that trolley base in Super Value Merchant's Key. That one will be finished from half 11 onwards. If people want to donate, that, that's the time, the cut-off point for us. Okay. So people were a bit confused. They were saying, is this Super Value, all Super Value? No, this is just year point no. in Merchant's Key. You're packing up at half 11 to get it onto a 40-foot. Yeah, exactly, because in fairness, no, PJ, I would like to say, well, I'm on air there. Thank you to everybody in Cork. They've been so, so generous. Like, we went in Monday, um, Tuesday, when Sinead went in to collect it, Tuesday, overflowing. I went in Wednesday, same situation. The generosity has been amazing, like. That's fantastic. So, yeah, it has been, and, like, a big thing for me was the baby food, the formula, the nappies, 
and the amount that we've gotten it's been brilliant like so I just want to thank everybody Joe for their kindness because it means so much Okay that's great Cora and anyone in around town doing a bit of shopping this morning particularly popping in there to their shopping in Super Value Merchants Key they'll be there until half 11 which is another hour and 40 odd minutes they've had a great response so far but at half 11 that collection point in Merchants Key will close so they can take it for transport but they've been there all week, Cora and her friend. Thanks that, for that, Cora. That clarifies. It's just that one we're talking about. 0818 96 96 96. World Obesity Day is today, 4th of March. And it's a unified day of action calling for a cohesive cross-sector response to the obesity crisis. Obesity is now classed as a disease and that's the point at which I'll bring in Bernadette Keenan, who's from the Irish Coalition for People Living with Obesity. It's classed as a, as a disease, Bernadette. When, when, was that, when was that classification agreed? Good morning. Hi, sorry, good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on first. Um, it was actually classified by the WHO in 1948, as far back as that. Really? Yeah, but most people don't realise that. Um, Different countries, in the meantime, have classified it at different times. Mm. Um, And obviously, the classification is all important to pointing out that exactly this is a disease and this is why it needs certain forms of treatment, you know. Mm. Now, I guess there's a difference between carrying a few spare pounds, which I certainly do, and, and having the condition of obesity. There's a huge difference there, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Um, if we look at the diet and exercise world, you know, that would work for somebody who carries a few extra pounds. That doesn't work for somebody who lives with overweight that's becoming obesity or lives with obesity. Um, and in actual fact, it can actually heighten stigma more mm. because eat less, move more, does not work for obesity. Mm. Um, this has been proven time and again by researchers and the scientists involved in providing care. They realise this at this stage. There are a lot of, I suppose, primary health care physicians out there, nurses, who may not realise that yet, but that's because they actually haven't had the education in obesity. And it's not normally provided to undergrads in the medical world, mm. you know, so, um, and all this can heighten bias, stigma, you know, towards people and even people who love their friends, who love their family members who are living with obesity can approach it in the wrong way without meaning to because they think they're doing the best. I think that's very important, Bernadette, that you made that point. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you meet someone you haven't seen for a long time and you say, oh God, you've, you've, you've lost weight. We're being told now we shouldn't even say these things. We shouldn't comment at all on whether a person looks well or doesn't look well or has changed. We should just keep these thoughts to ourselves. Would you agree with that? It's a very fine line. Because obviously people like being complimented and it makes them feel good. But the other side of that is with obesity, it's lifelong disease. So if you happen to reduce weight at some stage, 
your body is always trying to get back to the highest it's ever been. So if you get these compliments when you've lost weight, then when you start regaining, it just heightens the internalized stigma even more so, you know. Um, and this is why it's so important to realize that it is kind of, it is such a fine line between complimenting somebody and making somebody feel worse at another time in their life. Or there's the other side of that, as in, you know, okay, maybe I'm different now, maybe I'm acceptable now. Does that mean I was unacceptable? Mm. Mm. You know? Yeah. So how do we help those around us? Because First of all, how many people in Ireland would be classed as having the, the, the disease of obesity? Well, there's 60% of people in Ireland are living with overweight and obesity. Right. You know, I mean, that's quite astounding, really. Mm. 20% of children are living with overweight and obesity in this country. Um, predominantly, it's in the more deprived areas. And obviously, with prices rising for food, you know, the basics, that's not going to help any of this. Also, again, if you allow for the deprived areas, you don't have the facilities, the safe facilities for children to kind of exercise safely as you might do in other areas, you mm. know. Mm. Um, but how you approach it, in actual fact, if because we at ICPO, we have an online site, which is ICPO, icpobesity.org. And on there... There's a lot of information. And even, you know, if you want to kind of email and ask for support to talk to your family member, to your friend about it, you know, that the addresses are there. Um, and we also actually run on like online support meetings, which we found originally we were running meetings in person. But then during the pandemic, in a way, it was a bonus for the fact of support meetings because we started running them online, which meant that we could, more people could attend, mm. obviously, you know. Um, and those support meetings are just about people with lived experiences giving their side, um, what works for them, or if they're having a difficult time, you know. Mm. Somebody else might have been there and might be able to say, well, yeah, but... This is what can happen, you know. Yeah, you, you mentioned there when I asked you about the numbers of people involved, Bernadette. You said that there's a percentage of overweight obesity. There, there is a line, I take it, or is there? There is between um, just being, if you want, regularly overweight, like the person carrying the few pounds or the extra stone they could do without. There's a difference, isn't there? There's a line in the sand where that becomes or has become obesity, where the disease of obesity has started. So do we define that line? Well, BMI will define that line. Now, BMI isn't always the best. Yeah, I, thought, I, I, thought, I thought we'd stopped dealing with BMI. I thought the credibility of BMI was gone out the window a couple of years ago. Well, people still use it, and a lot of uh, medical professionals will still use it. But now we're looking at adopting the Canadian form, which still uses BMI, but it also brings into account um, psychological care, um, earning potential, you know, because obviously discrimination can happen in the workplace with overweight and obesity, um, because there's no law against that. There are kind of, obviously, for different diseases and different 
disabilities, but not for overweight and obesity, even though it is a disease all by itself. Um, But yeah, the Canadian form of it brings a lot of quality of life into the equation Mm. to basically figure out where somebody is. Yeah, that leads me to a question. Are you... If you're worried about yourself or a loved one, and again, I'm, I'm choosing my words as carefully as I can here now, Bernadette. It can be difficult. It can be. And, and to be honest, it has become more difficult, and, and I'm conscious of that. Yeah. But I'm saying, if, if your own weight or a loved one's weight is at the point where it is affecting lifestyle, that's yeah. when we should be worried. Is that a fair choice of words? It is, because obviously we know kind of that as a disease itself, it opens up to other non-communicable diseases, you know, diabetes, things like that. So we do need to keep that in mind. Now, in a lot of cases at the moment, because of the knowledge of obesity and how difficult it can be to reduce the numbers on the scales, There are a lot of medical people now that are trying to simply aim at improving health. Yeah. So while, you know, eating less, moving more doesn't work for obesity, eating healthily and getting out there and getting some exercise can improve health. Mm. And that's all important as well. It's not necessarily about the numbers, as I said. Now, there are treatments out there which will help. Um... There are now medications coming online, which in a way proves just how much of a disease this is. Because if it works on the brain, then it has to be a disease really, you know? Yeah, yeah. Where can people find out more about the work of World Obesity Day and the work of ICPO? Well, as I said, ICPO is icpobesity.org. World Obesity Day is actually all over Twitter today. So if you go in and just look up World Obesity Day, W-O-D, um, or Obesity Day Europe um, with the hashtags, you will find out so much because there's so much on there about stigma, about the physical side, you know, health, everything. Okay. All right, Listen, Thank you for being with us on The Opinion. It's Bernadette Keenan from the Irish Coalition of People Living with Obesity on World Obesity Day. I think that's kind of the, the clincher, though. If your weight is affecting your lifestyle then you may be you may have obesity rather than just being overweight thank you for that Bernadette 0818 96 96 96 can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The Two Grand Minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96FM. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 
0818 969696 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM In case you missed it this morning our Cork's 96FM Ukraine crisis appeal has kicked off sending money to the Irish Red Cross and then the Irish Red Cross will send it on and use it in the war region the fighting and shelling of course continuing around the clock even this morning speaking to one of our earlier guests from Ukraine you could tell from Mikkel, you could tell his, from his voice how nervous he was Fiona was checking with him after he went off for me and he was okay he seemed to be a bit scared that things were getting too close he's only 10-15 kilometres away so this is the reality of the situation and we've had the I suppose like no previous conflict worldwide modern communication being such now that we can actually cross live to somewhere like Ukraine to a place where a person is literally hiding out in, in fear of their lives modern technology allows us to cross live so we get a real picture and a real sound sense of what is going on and that's what that's why we want you to support the Cork's 96M Ukraine Crisis Appeal. You can donate now. Go to our website and all of our wireless group radio stations around the country are doing this. You can go to 96fm.ie forward slash aid and we'll guide you through from there. 96fm.ie forward slash aid. We'll talk more about that before the programme finishes today. And everybody's still gathering, loads of people still gathering stuff, gathering medical supplies, gathering clothes and blankets and baby food and nappies and stuff like that. Uh, on Saturday, March 5th at 10am at the bus shelter at Douglas Court Shopping Centre, uh, there's a bus and we're asking you to help fill the bus. All items collected will be donated by the Chernobyl Orphans Foundation and the Homeless Help and Support transporting goods out to those directly affected by the war. So that's tomorrow, Douglas uh, March 5th, 10 o'clock at the bus shelter. And we're happy to promote as many of those as you want that are uh, going on over the weekend. The Red Cross is asking people to send cash, send what you can afford. We're happy to support that. And of course, our own appeal now supporting that very actively. 96pm.ie forward slash aid. But if you're collecting stuff, uh, then we can help you with that too. Just let us know. 0818 96 96 96. Remember years ago, seeing a thing, a yoke, a gadget, like a little cloth, like a little, I don't know, a little, little piece of cloth uh, that you would wrap your sandwiches in or cover your lunch with. And when I inquired of the owner as to what it was, they told me it was made out of beeswax. And I said, made out of what? Made out of beeswax and that you could use it every day rather than using cling film or paper or cardboard or plastic or or anything else, aluminium foil, you could use this stuff. Hannah Blackmo from Hannah's Bees, Glanmire, you've been making these things and devising a business all of your own from, uh, from Glanmire for the last number of years. But <laughs> you're buzzing now because your stuff <laughs> is being stocked in the high street. Talk to me first of all about these little... It's a, is it is it called a cloth or what is it that's made out of beeswax? You started making these years ago. Good morning. I did. 
I did. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I did. Uh, they're called beeswax wraps. Um, they, and what they are, it's uh, they're reusable food wraps that you, as you correctly said, you'd use instead of single use plastics, tin foil, cling film, that kind of stuff to to wrap up your food, uh, to keep your food fresh. And yeah, it's made out of cotton fabric and beeswax. And that's mm. Pretty much it. And, <laughs> and a, how is it, how is it made? So basically, you you melt beeswax and uh, jojoba oil and pine resin, and you soak the fabric in it. Right. Uh, so basically, what what you get then is you get a waterproof um, waxed cloth uh, that is a little bit sticky. Uh, so you just wrap up your food in it. Beeswax is naturally antifungal, antibacterial, anti-everything that you don't want close to your food, basically. So it's an ideal uh, material to use with food in particular. Uh, and the beeswax wraps, you can use them for up to a year or longer. And you just wash them. You just rinse them in between uses. Oh, really? And that's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to put them into the washing machine or anything, no? No, if you put them into the washing machine, any bit of heat now will we'll destroy the wax. wax. So you literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. you literally just just squeeze them out and rinse them off. Yeah, you just rinse them off. It, they don't absorb anything, you see. Uh, they already have absorbed all the wax, everything that they can see. absorb. So they're waterproof. You just—it's like a wax jacket for your sandwiches. <laughs> I see, so, I see. Now yeah, you started yeah, making. Yeah. You started making these a few years ago. Ages ago. I did, yeah. I was actually the first, uh, the first person in Ireland to make Irish beeswax wraps and uh, and to start to resale them. So it's it's fantastic that they've just caught on so much in the last few years. And there's there's now uh, there are a lot more people who make them and sell them. And I think that's that's only a good thing because we don't have to explain to people what they are now. A lot of people know what they are, what to use them for, and they love using them. Mm. Um, so are they expensive? Oh, <laughs> that's a tricky question. <laughs> You're buying something. Well, compare it. I mean, okay, like you, it's an alternative to cling film. It's an alternative to um, aluminium foil or to single-use plastic, anything like yeah. that. So yeah. to buy a couple of these for the family, <clears throat> the value for yes. money, imagine the value for money is the long-term use. It's the long-term use. I'll, I'll tell you a story of a woman that I met. Um, she had three daughters and every every day she sent in their uh, lunch to school. She uh, They had a bagel each. She wrapped them in tin foil, put them into a plastic bag. That's three of those every day, 15, 15 a week, right? Uh, she, throughout the whole year, she bought three lunch wraps from me and she cut down on, I don't know how many hundred plastic bags, how many meters of tin foil that she w- would have used, and that's the the switch that you're making. That's you know that that's the difference. Okay. Um, so how much is that worth oh, yeah. in you know in value? Uh, you buy a sandwich wrap for me from about ten or eleven euro that last you for a year. There you go. That's not unreasonable at all. Now no. talk to me about Brown Thomas because can I say it? You're buzzing. <laughs> I am. <laughs> there are so many puns. I mean, it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. Is fantastic. <laughs> Your little hive of activity is growing. I, 
I know, I know, I know. It's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, it's from my little cottage industry here in Cork to the high street. It's it's just amazing. Um, I got a call from uh, from a lady who has been selling my products for for many years since I started actually Pat in uh, in Reusey. She had been invited by the New Brown Thomas store in Dundrum uh, to set up a sustainability section. And basically, what she was doing with BT, she was handpicking kind of the best of the sustainable products that she wanted to showcase in that store. And she asked me, you know, she. She asked me would I want to do it. Of course. I That's mean. a seriously posh shop now, Anna. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's fantastic because it's a great endorsement, yeah. not only of my products and my business, but of sustainability as a whole. Like sustain, sustainability is, is fashionable. And it's that's fantastic. That's you know, actually a very, we, very very good way of putting it. You know, that's mm, a very good. It's it, it is fashionable now. So, like, is. what does this mean for you? I mean, have you got to grow now? Have you got to expand? Well, of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, for somebody, you're starting off a small business with a product that is completely new to the country. Like nobody knew what beeswax wraps were when I started. I had to explain everything mm. and and now to have that endorsed by a you know a, a company that really people trust and they like shopping there and you know it's just fantastic um so yeah um like i have a lot of retailers already throughout the country mm. and um, um so it's it is growing it's just growing and i've obviously i've I'm growing my range of products as well. I'm a beekeeper, so the beeswax wraps isn't all that I do. I have a full range of honey and beeswax products. Um, So, yeah, growing. You're a busy little worker bee. Sorry, we can oh, keep yeah. going with this stuff all day like. Oh, don't, don't, don't apologise. We need to laugh a bit now too, don't we? Well, it's fabulous. It's fabulous news and, and, yeah. and great to see it recognised. Like, like you said now, sustainability is fashionable now. Well, you know. it is, it is. And it's, it's, it's amazing that so many people just just endorse it. You know, they, they, they love reusing things, seeing if they can repurpose things, even in their home, you know, furniture, clothes, anything like that. It's, it's, it's great to see, actually. It's, uh, it's mm. buzzing. <laughs> well, and so are you. Congratulations, Hannah. Hannah from Hannah's Bees, Glenmire. Her wraps, her beeswax wraps are to be in the really posh, seriously posh Brown Thomas store in Dundrum, in Dublin, and I've no doubt in other places too, uh, in the in the very near future. Cheers, Hannah, and congratulations. 0818 96, 96, 96. Now this came in, and I don't know whether we can help you here. I really don't, right? Because have you tried to get a tradesperson lately? Anybody? Plumber, Tyler. Anybody? Electrician? Anybody? Class? Anybody? Have you tried? We need a plumber. Urgently, says this email. A rad burst in our sitting room last night. We're ringing every number we can find and we get no answer. The whole floor is lifting now. We're in y'all. Thank you so much. That sounds like an awful plea for help there. Rad is burst. Floor, ceiling, our front room flooded. Carpets are probably destroyed. 
or if it's wooden floor, wooden floor is buckling. God help you. They need a plumber. If anyone in East Cork would go and at least shut off that water, fix that rad, do what they can. Let us know and we'll let them know. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Becky, I'm talking to Becky because this is a meeting taking place tonight in the Monster Arms. Hi, Becky. Hi, PJ. How are things? Good. This yeah. is about the fishing industry and, and the state in which it currently finds itself. Absolutely. So um, I'm one of the two reps here in Cork and we are holding this public meeting tonight. It's in the Munster Arms in Bandon. It's going to start at half seven. I'm going to be interviewing Patrick Murphy. I know you've had him on your show a lot. He is the CEO of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. So the whole point of tonight is it's going to be an informative night. It's going to be an educational night. Patrick's going to tell us of the challenges that the fishing industry are facing today. And look, even me, myself, I'm actually from Kenturk. It's one of the most inland towns that you could think of. But I've been deeply moved by the plight of the fishermen. Um, And I suppose I just want to ask your audience, your listeners today, do do we want to see a next generation of fishermen. I was down in Castletown Bear myself the weekend um, just to meet with some of the local uh, skippers there and it's actually shocking what I saw. Um, there was Irish trawlers tied up to the piers and you had your foreign trawlers, they may be Spanish, French, Belgium or whatever and they were in and out, in and out, yeah. fishing like there was no tomorrow, loading up trucks and um, carrying these fish to EU countries where our, our Irishmen then yeah. are tied up because of quotas. Quotas is one of the main things. Yeah. So, look, um, it's just for people to become aware, I suppose, like fishermen are a part of forgotten rural Ireland, unfortunately. Mm. They have been sold out. Um, it's not just the coastal issue. This is one that affects all of us. Um, the fishing industry is important to our economy and we must, we must protect our fishermen. Uh, these are our natural resources, and I suppose I just feel it's my duty as a political representative, okay. and it's also the duty of the public um, to become aware of it, uh, to become informed on the issue, and so we can become vocal about it. Okay. So tonight is the start of this campaign. It's called Save Our Fishing Fleet. These talks are going to be nationwide. Already we've been asked to go to Donegal, Waterford and Wexford. So I just um, ask the public to come along. If you if you don't know anything about it, you definitely need to come along. If you've heard a little bit about quotas and a little bit of the plight of the fishermen, still come along because okay. Patrick is going to share um, an awful lot of information with us. Okay, and a fine communicator he is, and we've had him on the show a number of times, and I know he'd love to go into an awful lot more detail whenever he is on. But tonight is the opportunity, Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon, half past seven. Uh, and that's Becky Keeley of AN2. It's AN2, the political party, who are driving this campaign and setting up these these meetings. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Children's laughter, a mother's smile, a father's warm hand of comfort in the darkness. They are the foundations of family. And even when the earth is shaking, sky falling, 
With no one left to take your hand and guide you through the rubble as you run, the foundation still stays strong. And a sound louder than the bombs is the beating of our hearts as one with you. Heavy fighting and shelling continues in Ukraine with grave humanitarian consequences. An increasing number of women and children are suffering alone without even the basic human essentials to keep clean, safe and warm or have access to emergency medical services, critical medicines or safe drinking water. The Irish Red Cross with Cork's 96FM needs your help now. Be the comfort in the darkness for these women and children. Please donate to the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal at 96fm.ie forward slash aid. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Here's something a little shocking. Um, shocking maybe to the ear, but not surprising, I think, to, to some professionals who would work and come in contact with this. There's a thing called, it used to be called fetal alcohol syndrome. It's now better known as, or correctly known, as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And it is what it is. It's, it's children, babies who are born affected by alcohol because of excessive drinking by their parents, by their mothers. Um, and it is a huge problem. I know people have come across it. I've heard myself some very distressing stories from people who work in, say, the area of child protection very distressing stories about children being born in withdrawal. 
It's, it's, it's a really horrible thing, and we've got a huge amount of it in this country. About 600 babies born in Ireland every year. That's nearly two a day every year born in this country with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Tristan Casson rennie is Director of FASD Ireland. Good morning, Tristan. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for inviting me on your show this morning. Good to speak with you. I, I come across this through people I know who work in child protection and, and they, they, they tell me that it's far, far more prevalent than we could ever have believed even five years ago. Yeah, that's correct. Um, in actual fact, it's more prevalent uh, in Ireland than in most countries in the world. We currently are third uh up the league tables there, just following South Africa and Croatia. Um, so percentage-wise, we're talking about 4.75% of the population. That's around 40,000 people living on the island of Ireland with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Mm. Is it something that causes permanent damage? Or, or if a child is born with the effects of, say, withdrawal and uh, that kind of thing. Is it something that permanently affects development or can permanently affect development? Yes, it's essentially uh, FASDs uh, cause permanent irreversible um, disability to the, the baby, child, young person. Um, as, as they grow, most of the signs would start to be observed at the age of five and they would be uh, fully recognisable by the age of 10. So when a child is just about to leave primary and going to post-primary that's a critical age where we you know we can absolutely identify all of the the kind of symptoms that, that come with uh, a child with FASD the complication with FASD is that there are 428 comorbid conditions what I mean by that is that um, you know things like ADHD are associated with FASD some 70% of children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders will display symptoms of ADHD and for that reason um, sometimes it can be missed or misdiagnosed uh, you know just just because people haven't really considered that that they may have been drinking through pregnancy Mm-hmm. But by drinking through pregnancy, Tristan, I know that there are women listening to me right now who are pregnant and tomorrow night, Saturday night, they'll have one glass of wine while they're watching Netflix. Like, are they, are they potentially harming their child or are we talking about, are we talking about high levels of drinking? Well... The the risks have become more evident as 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 we've come through the years, and the science tells us now, uh, and and the HSE is is very correct in their statement, which is that if you are pregnant or thinking of getting pregnant, then no amount of alcohol is safe to drink, and and the guidance goes on to say if you are already pregnant, then please stop drinking alcohol immediately and seek advice. Um, so simply put, you know, no alcohol is safe to drink if you are thinking about getting pregnant or if you are pregnant. Mm. And if you are pregnant or think you may be, stop drinking immediately. Yes, correct. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Stop drinking immediately, but also more importantly, seek advice, um, particularly from um, your your care plan um, while you you are pregnant. Tell me about your organisation, because you're quite new, um, set up earlier this year, I believe. Yes, we, we set up on um, World FASD Awareness Day in September of last year. Um, we are based in Ennis in County Clare. 
Um, we, put, we, we, we set up with three core aims, really. One is to prevent uh, FASD, um, uh, you know, with, with education and so on. Uh, one is to support the families that now currently live with FASD. And, and as I said, there are a lot of those uh, across Ireland and a lot of people who are living with FASD and don't currently realise uh, that they're, they're living with FASD. And then the third aim is to raise awareness uh, across Ireland of uh, FASD and, you know, uh, hopefully get people talking about it. My, my Whenever I go on Twitter, my strapline is always, let's get Ireland talking about FASD. It's such a problem in this country. We absolutely need to address it. And, you know, up until now, really, um, it's kind of ignored. It's kind of got a lot of social stigma. Um, the, the difficult questions are not being asked when, when parents are going to pediatricians or their GPs and saying, oh, you know, my child is struggling at school. Can we can we investigate ADHD? Can we investigate autism? Mm. The question is never asked about, you know, was alcohol consumed through pregnancy? Because it's a difficult question to have. It's a horribly um, difficult well, question to have. Can you imagine, you know, your child isn't hitting their milestones or your child, you're concerned about the development of speech or development of walking or development of anything like that, to, to be asked by your doctor, well, did you drink during your pregnancy? Like, that's, a, that's an awful hard question to be asked. It, it absolutely is. And, and, and one of the, the, the key areas that we address here when we're talking to professionals is that there should be no blame and shame. We have to remember that the country has grown up since the 50s uh, where alcohol was pretty normal. You know, I can, I can recall stories of um, trolleys going through hospitals providing alcohol, providing stout to pregnant women to, to alleviate the concerns around iron and anemia. So as, as a yeah. society, we have grown up with alcohol being normal, uh, normalized in pregnancy. Mm. And so, you know, as we now know the risks, as we fully understand the risks, we need to change that and we need to educate and raise awareness. And mm. absolutely, there is no blame here. You know, we we cannot apportion blame because it was just a norm of society. It was a norm. What we have yeah. to do, what we have to do is we have to use all of our energy and support these families when they do suddenly come forward and recognise that their child may have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, we need to provide that pathway to diagnosis mm. and we need to support them in schools and that's essential. I think the hardest part of it is, Tristan, that, uh, do you know, I, my, my children, they'll be 25 in October and, and my wife didn't touch a drop for the entire nine months of her pregnancy and many of our close friends and, and family members wouldn't have touched us up uh, during the course of pregnancy. It was just something that you you chose not to do it. But sure. then you'd have other people who would have said, you know what, God, and I mentioned those people to you earlier on, do you know, long, hard week at work, Saturday night is a takeaway, Netflix and a glass of wine. Surely I'm not hurting my baby with one glass of wine. But the evidence is you could be. Yes, correct. And it doesn't matter at what stage of the pregnancy the alcohol is consumed. Any amount of alcohol at any point through the pregnancy will harm that 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 baby, that child, and that young person as they're growing up. The, 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 the harm that we see is that it affects the cognitive, the behavioural, the emotional, the adaptive functioning of the child. And on occasion, it also has some congenital an 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 anomalies too. 
so when I, when I talk about those, I talk about facial dysmorphia. So they might have a very thin top lip. They might not have the ridge between the mm-hmm. nose and, mm-hmm. and the mouth. They may have an upturned nose. The, the, there are some facial dysmorphia signs, but they really only show in about 10% of cases. And, and what that demonstrates to us is that FASD really is the hidden disability. Um, you know, un, unless you know what to look for and unless you go to one of, you know, either a GP or a, a pediatrician and say, I have con- some concerns about my child and yes, I was drinking through pregnancy. Um, and, and it may be that you just say, look, I had one or two drinks. You don't have to, you know, say that you had lots and lots and lots. It's just a concern uh, that you had and that you need to come forward and, 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 and say, look, you know, there is a concern that I have. Can we check my child for um, FASD along with um, any other um, concerns that we have. Um, because Can you imagine it's how devastating it must be, though? I mean, I, I, you know, I think any parent, and I speak to a lot of them and have done, any parent whose child is diagnosed with a disability, uh, even though they, it's the most natural thing in the world to blame yourself, everybody goes through it, no matter what the disability is. Can you imagine, though, how it must how hard it must be to say well my child's got this problem because i drank like there's got to be help there for that person too for that mother there there has absolutely and as an organization we are here as i said one of our um three aims of our establishment was to provide support to those families The, the 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 key issue here is that if a child receives the right diagnosis then they receive the right support so it's really important that if a child has FASD, then they are supported with that FASD. If, if they had the wrong diagnosis, so let's suggest for a moment that they were just diagnosed with ADHD, then there's so much more support that that child could be getting to help them to, towards living an independent life uh, into adulthood. And so for, for that reason, that, that's why that difficult conversation would, would need to be had Okay. And, and must be had, and that's why we need to raise awareness of FASD around the country. Okay, okay. Tristan, uh, good speaking with you, and it, where can people find out more about your organisation? Well, we're, um, on, we have a website, it's fasdisland.ie. Uh, we're also on all social platforms, so we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and if people want to get in touch, then they can get in touch either through the website or through social media. All right, thank you for that, Tristan. Casson Rennie, the director of FASD Ireland, 0818 96 96 96. It's a difficult subject. It's a very difficult topic. And, 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 you know, who are we to judge anybody? But it must be so hard to think that there's something wrong with your child. And you might have been partly the cause of it because you had a few drinks while you were pregnant. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Any thoughts? Any thoughts are welcome. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.
Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Friends, the musical parody, celebrates and pokes fun at the wacky misadventures of a group of 20-something pals living in Manhattan. The show comes to the Everyman Theatre for a short run, taking place on April 26th to 30th. Access all areas. Gavin James is set to play two shows at Cork Opera House, taking place on the 2nd and 3rd of April. Tickets are on sale now from Cork Opera House box office and corkoperahouse.ie. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Gerard Bryan was on with uh, Fiona yesterday. I have great time for, for Gerard. Gerard came on the show a couple of years ago for what we thought would be about 10 minutes and ended up being here for a whole hour. And, and generally, the, what the guy does is amazing. Uh, incredible guy and a lovely fellow with it and every time he's on it's it's fascinating I missed it yesterday but I, I heard the start of it and had to get out of the car then but he was talking about the stresses in, in your life and, and one of the things that he touched on was people pleasing come on we've all done it Lark. we've all done things that we've, gr- we've grinded our own teeth just to make sure somebody else was happy and Jennifer got in touch afterwards and wanted to expand a bit on it. It's Jennifer Davy from wellbeingwarrior.ie I think there's a little bit in all of us, isn't there Jennifer, that we will we will quite happily grind our own teeth so that somebody else smiles uh, and oh. it goes from kindness to stupidity very quickly. Good morning. Good morning PJ, how are you? Good. Absolutely, I think everyone is probably smiling or getting a bit frustrated with themselves as they listen there because they're thinking of moments when they did that and when they put other people's needs and wants a lot of the time ahead of their own even though they really needed to do it the other way around. Mm. I think people pleasing is something that has touched all of us and probably for a lot of people it's very much a part of their day-to-day um, you see, the basic kindness is not the same thing, is it? No, that's that's it, and that's absolutely true. And I think sometimes when people see the people pleasing somewhere on 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 social media, or they hear people talking about it, they they think of those words like kindness, compassion, empathy. Um, and they think that if they stop people pleasing, then they need to stop having those things in their life as well. But of course, that's not the case at all. Mm. I mean, living with kindness is I would I, I feel myself is is a is a core value. You know, every mm. we have to lead with kindness. And but that means for ourselves as well mm. and not always to other people. And a kindness for ourselves is is listening to what we need, you know. Define the saying, difference, if there is one, if you know one, Jennifer, between just doing things because you're a kind, nice person. Define the difference between doing something for that reason and doing something to people please. When can you tell that you're just people pleasing? Mm, that's actually a brilliant question. Um, 
I the word as you as you were asking me that question, PJ, the word that came to me was the word boundaries. So, for example, if you were doing something um, and it's coming from a place of kindness, then you feel comfortable about what you're doing. You understand and appreciate the person's point of view and why that person might be asking you to do something for them or perhaps they're not even asking you to do it but you can see a need in them for you to to do something for them that's that's coming from a place of kindness whereas people pleasing doesn't necessarily feel good Mm. um maybe you're being asked to do something that crosses a, a line for you. Maybe you're being kind of pressured into doing something that you are not comfortable with. And you know, perhaps from past experiences, you know that you're not going to feel great after it. Mm-hmm. Whether it be that you're upset by something, whether it be that your energy is drained because of the situation. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different place to be in than um, a place of kindness. Do you know so the way, in, in for fa- me... Sorry, sorry, sorry to cut it. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, all I was... I know your grand, I was just finished, your grand. Yeah. But it was getting at sometimes within family dynamics, okay, mm. extended family <laughs> dynamics. We, sure. we behave in people's presence in a way that keeps them sweet and we grit sure. our teeth through it because mm. that's what you do. Or is it what you do? <laughs> I'm finding it hard to like I'm I'm smiling so much as you speak there because I would say I would say most people are thinking that way that it's it's kind of family dynamics as in the wider family in-laws and mm. outlaws and all all that goes along with that yeah look I mean I think the biggest thing is like you can't just plow through every situation always speak in your mind and speak in your truth regardless of how it might affect or upset another person that's not what I would be be advocating you know so mm. there's a balance between you know what you grind your teeth to and what you say sorry you can't actually say that you know there's a line you know mm. and I think you have to kind of it's a practice You've got to try these things. It does feel a bit strange at first. So say, for example, you're at you're at some kind of um, occasion or even not an occasion. You're just doing the obligatory pop in visit that you feel you need to do. Um, that's the first element of people pleasing that you're doing something you don't want to do. And then you're in the you're in the situation and somebody makes a comment that's that really is a common enough occurrence, something with a bit of judgment to it. This is what I hear a lot with my clients, you know, kind of a judgment situation about maybe what you should be doing with your kids or something something like that. Mm. And this is you grinding your teeth and you're thinking to yourself, like, I really, I'm really sick of this. I'm sick of these comments. They're not helpful. They really upset me. You can't, as a way of... <clears throat> moving away from 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 people pleasing you can't just turn around and and scream and shout at that person mm. you know you're really upsetting me that's not um, that's not going to be helpful but you can certainly say look i appreciate that you might be coming from a place of 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 um of support or kindness but i actually find those comments um not helpful so i'd appreciate it if if you didn't do that in future. 
So what you're doing there is rather than grinding your teeth or gritting your teeth or just on the inside huffing and puffing, you're you're breaking that habit mm. and you are listening to your needs more than that person. So mm. your need is that rather than walking away from this situation and being frustrated with myself for not saying something, I'm going to say something to this mm. person now. And I know that person might like that. Yeah. But I need to do that. There, there but there's pe- the difference. There are people mm. around us. We all know them. They're never mm. going to change. You love mm-hmm. them dearly. They're mm. never going to change. They're always going to mm-hmm. say that. They're always going to look that way. They're always going to judge you. They're never going to change. You love them dearly. You mm. value their presence in your life. So you mm-hmm. kind of swallow your tongue and go, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I get out the door and I'll scream at the sun. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not good for you. But the no, relationship is not. worth more to you than the than possibly falling out. Absolutely. I, I think you have put it beautifully there. You know, that, you know... <laughs> It's not a black and white situation, whether we're talking about people pleasing, speaking up, sharing your thoughts, boundaries. It's not a case of cut the cord in every relationship that doesn't fill you with joy. I mean, you can't do that. There are people in our lives that, and as you said, I love the way you said that you really value their presence in your life. But you kind of could probably do with less of those comments. Like, I think that is so, so, so true whether it be in family, whether it be in work, whether it be in groups of friends that you've had for a very, very long time. I think the important thing is, and this is where the break break from people pleasing and the kind of the effort to try and listen to your own needs a bit more. If a person is always giving you their opinion on something and you come away from this situation really, really upset, and I know we spoke about this a couple of weeks back, PJ, the overthinking, mm. If you then find yourself running that conversation over and over in your head as you're filling the dishwasher, as you're cooking the dinner, and then four hours later, you're filling the washing machine up and you're still thinking about that conversation and what you should have said to that person. We've all been there. Yeah. Oh, come here. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And what happens is your need to please that person in the moment and not say something is absolutely having an impact on your physical body and obviously on your mental state as well. So that's the danger of it. And they do use that word danger deliberately because it is very, very dangerous. It releases all those horrible chemicals that cause stress, all the cortisol, all the adrenaline. So even from that point of view, if you could change that action in the moment and just say something. Okay. Jennifer, you've got a website, wellbeingwarrior.ie, with lots more information on it. I know you'll have a stall at the Women in Business Expo as well at the Marina Market the weekend after this, Saturday, March 12th and Sunday 13th. Thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line. That's Jennifer Davey. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, but we, we all do it. You know we all do it. All the time. And we know it's not good for us. And you go, why did I let that go again? Yeah, but you do. 0818 96 96 96. Right, cash cow. We're doing it for the last time around half 11. 
I wonder where's Ken Parrott right now. We're still in Mahan Point and so is the Cork's 96FM cash cow. It's wrapping up very, very soon, but there is still chance to milk some moolah from our 96FM cash cow. The puns are endless, aren't they? But it's your last chance. If you'd like to call down, take a selfie with the cash cow, put it up on your Instagram story, tag us and follow us at Cork's underscore 96FM and you could be winning some of the cash. With thanks to Mahan Point Shopping Centre, catch a movie, explore over 60 stores, or shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. Mahanpointsc.ie. I'm Ken Paris with the Street Fleet on Cork's 96FM. Okay, thanks, Ken. Now, big event in Ireland uh, in June of this year. It's the Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup. It's a huge event. And I'm joined uh, for a conversation by two people who are very heavily involved. Uh, James Healy is on the committee of IMART 22. Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup. And Alan Crockwell was founder of the first Mixed Ability Rugby team in Ireland. Good morning to you both. Morning, morning, PJ. How are you doing? Right, guys. Uh, Alan, this is a huge event for, for Ireland. Go back to when you did start the first Mixed Ability Rugby team. Uh, did you ever envisage this happening? Oh, PJ, I always envisage this happening. <laughs> it's always been the, the dream to kind of bring... bring sport uh back to kind of community and back to kind of about inclusion my own background pj is i i've come from the area of intellectual disabilities and worked with cold foundation for a number of years um and it was through my work that i I was always trying to push the boundaries of kind of getting people involved in community especially people with intellectual disabilities you know getting them involved in work and then study and all that but being a being a Connacht man living in Cork sometimes is tough, PJ. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, and back then it was really tough because I had James here giving me grief every day at the Connacht loss, and I said, "Do you know what, James? You need to know what rugby is like." Um, and I happened to come across an article in a, a Rugby World magazine, and I just saw two teams um, over in the UK playing, and I just thought, "You know what? This is magic. It, it's just real rugby in a real rugby club." Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought of James and James now your listeners won't know but James is about the same size, height as Stringer and his buddy then Danny is is the same height as Paul O'Connell so <laughs> you can imagine they had a, had a massive uh, I said these guys have to go out you know and their heroes were, were the monster guys so we, we back about eight years ago I approached my friend Lee Marr who was involved with uh, Sunday as well uh, through, his, through his kid at the time and I said you know what do you think of this idea uh, of mixability rugby where you have people with and without disabilities playing on the same team playing uh, contact rugby um, with no adopt- adaptations you know no, there's no classifying or grading somebody just because they have a disability we're all out on the pitch together just mm. as teammates um, he went to the committee we started off we just had an open meeting James was with that meeting you remember that James? Yeah. with 13 guys turned up for training that following Friday and we now have a roster of about, say, about 50 regular players oh. with and without disability. And I suppose the split is about 50-50. They're all, it's adult men, uh, adult men's team. So it sits in with all the rest of the teams in Sunday as well, who have been brilliant to us, you know, over the years and really been um, visionary in terms of just yeah. accepting this and allowing us to go on this journey, you know. James, come, come in there for a second. The, the concept of, of, as Alan defines the mixed ability team, when you first heard of it, what do you think? I thought, oh, that would be a great uh, crack because I, I look, because when I was small before, though, I always wanted, you know, to play rugby. But yeah. now I have the opportunity, you know, to show people that, uh, that I'm good at it. Good man. Good man. 
So when did you start to play? I started in 2014. Right. And what position do you play in? Well, I was playing doing that time, but I did, I done a mistake. I ran past the the, the ball line. I forgot to stop at the toy line. Too fast, sir. Too fast. Too fast. Don't know. I'm playing in a, as a hooker. I uh, go back in the front row. Good man yourself. But that would be normal, PJ. As you progress in your age, you see you kind of slow down. So that's James has realised he's now a forward, <laughs> not a back. Oh, the slagging goes on just as a, as any other team. So, Alan, tell me about the event. It's literally a world so event, event. Yeah. So this this is the International Mixed Ability uh, World Tournament. Uh, it's the World Cup for Mixed Ability Club Teams. So from the fifth to the tenth of June in Musgrave Park. We have over a thousand players coming to Cork from all over the world, about 14 different countries from Argentina, Canada, Wales, England, Scotland, Italy, Belgium, you name it, they're coming. Um, and we have 24 men's teams. And for the first time ever, we have four, uh, four, uh, four teams competing in the first ever women's mixability tournament. And we're delighted to have our very own Ballon College Trailblazers, the very first mixability women's team in Ireland competing for, for that trophy, hopefully. Um, so you have about 82 games. Um, opening ceremony on the Sunday at 7 o'clock um, and we have games Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. We have a conference coming in on the Wednesday in UCC just exploring mixed ability and taste recessions. And tickets for, for this event are all free for everybody to, to attend. If you log on to our website, imartworldcup.org. Uh, and you click on an event right there. Um, so yeah, and it's played to the it's played to the same rules, the same laws of the game as the Six Nations and the regular yeah. Rugby World Cup. So that this event, our event, it will be run by the IRFU. Um, it's you know we we worked with the IRFU to develop this in terms of piloting. We now have six teams in the country uh, playing mixed ability uh, rugby. It's completely under world rugby laws. You know, it's very much common sense rugby, PJ. It's very much about kind of um, social rugby. So, for example, if somebody is, has, you know, visible kind of weakness in terms, you're not going to run them over like a steamroller like you're in the Viva. That's not what it's about. Yeah. You know, it is people still win and lose. We we have uncontested scrums. But have you seen the match last weekend, Ireland and Italy, <laughs> yeah. the highest level? There was uncontested scrums but there. The best so not said not about how that either. happened, though. Best not scrums because people well, were trying to figure out that. Won't happen in our, in our, yeah, in our but it, it, they're they're those kind of scrums. It's an uncontested scrum. That's the, about yeah. the only big difference. James, are you excited? Because not just are you on the committee, you're going to be playing as well. Are you excited for playing? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be playing as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, well, you listen. Best of luck to you. We might talk at the time. Might I might pop out to watch a couple of matches because it sounds like sounds like a whole pile of fun. Uh, James Healy. PJ, one last thing, if I can get yes, it in. Um, just if any organ company out there wants to get involved or wants to come aboard us, you know they can uh, just email email through uh, admin at Imark Cork World Cup, and we'd love to hear, get the support. We get great support from Cork anyway, but as many if we you know we do have a little bit of a deficit in terms of you know putting on this show. It's a big event, right. um, so if any business wants to get involved. Okay, listen, it sounds like, if, as I said, and I will, I'll pop out and watch a game or two while that's on at Rosegate Park in the summer. James Healy, a player on the uh, Mixed Ability uh, Rugby Tournament and also a member of the committee, and Alan Cockrell, who was the founder of the first Mixed Ability Rugby team in Ireland. Great idea, lads. Well done to you both. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, Cash Cow back for the very last time on The Opinion Line later this hour. Stick around. You got the password from Casey and Ross this morning you might get it if you go looking around our Instagram but we'll look for it later in the hour we'll take a caller on the show we haven't had the cow moo on one caller on the opinion line and let's hope that we can make that stick and that we don't have any losers because we had no losers right throughout the last couple of weeks which is good we gave away a couple we gave away thousands of euro over the last couple of weeks and we'll do it again uh, before quitting time today 0818 96, 96, 96 can I just give a quick mention to Catherine Mahan Buckley at the Cork Academy of Dramatic Arts she was just on to say that their second consignment of aid left yesterday for Ukraine and they wanted to say a big thank you to the people of Cork the help has blown them away one lady called to the academy and handed in over 200 euro worth of stuff and she said the family would have spent it anyway over the weekend on activities and one weekend wouldn't hurt them to help others thank you for that Catherine and to everyone who helped with that and with every other aid appeal that is going on at the moment thank you all we'll give you a bit more detail on our campaign later this hour this is the Cork's 96mm Ukraine crisis appeal Uh, you can donate now right now 96fm.ie forward slash aid all the information is there and we'll we'll do more on that later in the hour now Andrew McGovern your research is is fascinating I heard about this a few years ago and I wasn't aware that say for example it was only a number of years ago that every drug had to be tested mandatorily on men and women I didn't know that. I thought I took it for granted that it would be. When did we start to do that, Andrew? And first of all, why why is this research of such interest to you? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it was actually quite recent um, in the large scale of things that we actually started testing these drugs in women. Uh, It didn't become law in the States and everyone kind of followed suit in 1991 that it had to be brought in. So everything, it's only really been since then that new drugs have been had to test it on men and women. And since then, most of the drugs taken off the market, I think there was a study a couple of years ago that 80% of the drugs taken off the market over the last 30 years had been taken off the market due to worse side effects in women because obviously we didn't understand the full impact. Like It would be a no-brainer, I would have thought, that a second-year medical student could tell you that a woman's body chemistry and a man's body chemistry, there are some fundamental differences between the two. So a drug should be tested on 50% men and 50% women. That's a total no-brainer, I would have thought. Yeah, me too. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I think we have to 
go back to where medicine came from and the way that people used to look at women when the medical industry and the structure and framework of medicine was being built, because this was all happening in the 1800s, the early 1900s, where for most of the time, women were seen as often second-class citizens, and it was kind of assumed that men and women were homogeneous, as in they were the same, and that the only differences were was what they typically called bikini medicine. So, you know, men and women were the exact same, pardon what actually goes into the bikini. Um, which, you know, is obviously false because we see so much other stuff going on, so many other differences with normal diseases, things like uh, depression and anxiety showing differently and having different incidences, things like dementia showing up twice as often in women than men, take autoimmune disorders like multiple sclerosis, three times as many women as men. But when we look at why this wasn't happening, it was because there was this huge resistance to saying that women are different and that we need to adjust our research because it had been going, I suppose, from their point of view, so well for so long that they didn't see the need. Mm. So even if it was obvious. Which is utterly bizarre, given that even in the most basic form, women have a process that goes on in their body every month for 40 years of their lives that men don't have. It's a whole entire difference. And yes... That didn't dawn on people. Yeah, but the problem is it actually did, but it worked against women. That was a part of the reason why this testing wasn't done in women was because it was seen as too much work to control for the menstrual cycle. Because if they were having differences in the way drugs would interact with you at different stages of the menstrual cycle, you would need maybe four times as many women in the study to take into account those differences. So they said, why don't we just test in men and we don't have to take into account this difference? So this extra work, which would require extra funding, which would elongate the study. So scientists of the time said this is much more efficient. So Mm. that actually is very obvious. Totally agree with you. But from a funding point of view and all of that back then, it actually worked against women and against getting women into these trials to make sure that the drugs and medicine and treatments and surgeries and everything that was becoming approved and going onto the market was equally safe for men and women. So, Andrew, what drove the cha- who drove the change and when did it come about? Well, this change really started happening in the 60s and 70s of trying to figure out what was going on. Because there was the thalidomide incident mm-hmm. in in Europe in the 60s, which effectively a drug was brought onto the market without a f- sufficient testing in women. And the most disgusting part about this was that this was a morning sickness pill for pregnant women, right? And this didn't get sufficient testing in women, forget pregnant women altogether. And what happened was this drug was very effective at treating morning sickness, but it caused a series of congenital defects in the babies who very, very rarely lived past two years. And after that, there became there was kind of a movement where instead of people saying, oh, we obviously need to do more testing in women, it actually went the complete opposite. And it was kind of saying, right, we're actually going to ban the testing of drugs in women who are fertile because it doesn't seem ethical and stuff like that. And this was happening in the 70s and 80s in the States. However, what happened after that was they were seeing every drug that was hitting the market was having a negative impact on women. And they said, oh, my God, we have to do a complete 180. And they started saying, hey, we would actually appreciate 
if you included women in your study, we advise it. But they didn't make it mandatory. And at that point, it was about early 1980s, and they didn't make it mandatory. And, well, pharmaceutical companies had no interest in paying that extra money to include all these extra women who have to be controlled for their uh, point in their menstrual cycle. So they didn't. So the National Institute of Health had to come in in 1991 and make it a guarantee and say, we will not put your drug on the market unless you actually test it in women. Crikey. Yeah. It's, it's, it is bizarre stuff. Part of your research at, at, um, at UL is the differences in, in various diseases and their incidence in the sexes. Like, for example, I said far more, twice as many women seem to get Alzheimer's, three times as many women seem to get multiple sclerosis. And autism is far more prevalent in men and boys. Yes. Yes, so this makes it a big headache because it doesn't it seem too obvious. It seems so obvious that there are these massive differences between men and women that obviously all these diseases are interacting with us differently. And, you know, maybe I would be forgiving if it was a 5 or 10% increase in men or women. And I'd say, you know what, we can kind of forgive that and say maybe they didn't have the data at the time. But when we're talking two, three, four times as many women to men or men to women, it becomes very tricky. And especially when you talk about those three diseases, we're not looking at three of the same diseases. One is neurodegenerative in Alzheimer's disease, neurons in the brain dying, multiple sclerosis. It's an autoimmune condition, so it's actually related to how your immune system attacking yourself. And then autism, which is a neurodevelopmental disorder, which again is completely different. It's, it's completely uh, unrelated to degeneration or autoimmune. Mm. So we have to then look at the environment within men and women and notice what is different and try to come to an understanding of what is it about the environment yeah. of cell body that makes these diseases easier to progress in men or women. So, so take something like MS, just isolate that for a moment. Like, What is your research hmm. telling you, or do we even know yet why there's such a difference? Well, we're getting some inklings, but this research is still quite young. Um, the inklings that we're kind of getting is that there's a significant amount of interaction between uh, sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone and testosterone with the immune system, and that perhaps estrogens could be driving the immune system to perhaps be a bit more hardy and a bit more willing to attack, which may put women at a higher risk of an autoimmune condition. Uh, Because if their immune system is more willing to go straight to war as opposed to mitigate damage, they might be more likely to be driven towards this. So it, it is a it is a big thing. Now, this, this research is still ongoing and there's so much else to discover. Like there's also huge differences in basic metabolism that mm-hmm. men and women actually typically use different fuel at different rates. Men are much more likely to use sugars in their cells. Women are much more likely to use lipids in their cells. And this is a huge dichotomy. It's two, two completely different pathways that men and women seem to be driven towards. And perhaps the use of these pathways could be making it easier or more difficult for certain diseases to progress. And if we were to discover all these things and discover reasons for these differences, is the next step then, and look, many, many years down the line, I suspect, the re, is the next step then to turn it back on itself and say, well, can we prevent higher levels of MS in women by doing X, Y, or Z? 
Absolutely. So this is this is the end goal. The end goal isn't this whole discussion isn't trying to kind of say we need to just focus on women's health. The whole focus is that we actually have to focus on differences between the individual that make may make you or me more or less likely to develop a disease. And if we can spot these differences early, we may be able to step in early and offer a preventative treatment or better advice, or we might be ahead of some diseases. We might have a better idea of if you're going to get a heart attack, or maybe you'll know sooner if you're at a higher risk of developing dementia and different mitigations you can make. This is, And that's the whole hope, because... The reality of the situation is I don't think medicine is going to suddenly do a complete re regeneration or revolution. And we're going to see diseases completely taken off the earth because of these individual differences. But I do think that we're going to see optimization and we're going to see people being given drug doses that aren't just this is what we give human beings. We're going to be giving people drug doses that saying, Given your background, we can give you this drug and we think it has the best benefit to risk ratio. You'll have the least side effects and the most hope going forward for sure. getting rid of your disease. Lastly, and, and, and briefly, Andrew, is a question that just come to mind as we come out of hopefully anyway the worst of the pandemic. How much how important is it that, for example, we research the effects of something like long COVID in men versus women for the future? I think it has a big, big, big effect because men's uh, that men's lungs are much, much bigger than women's, and we need to kind of look at how this interacts with long COVID, um, because there are so many individual differences going on. People being stuck in these immune-driven cycles. I think that a lot of this research is ongoing. I think since COVID kind of came up at this time, people are looking at the sex differences. Yeah. Whilst a lot, of the, a lot of the problems that are going on, that are being carried forward is when we have a literature lasting 40, 50 years on maybe cancers or Alzheimer's that are all based in men and we're very slowly trying to yeah. challenge things going on. Whilst when COVID came in, we are seeing a lot more research good. looking at the differences, uh, which is very positive. Good. It is good. It is good. Okay, interesting to speak with you, Andrew. Uh, Andrew McGovern, who's a researcher in the difference, sex differences in disease research at the University of Limerick. Remember this, someone saying this years ago to me, you know, they never tested medicines on women that were given to women after. It just makes no sense. But there you go. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. So as of this morning, if you want to donate to the Cork's 96 FM Ukraine crisis appeal, you can do so by going to 96fm.ie forward slash aid and we'll take you through it on the website. But this is a, a national appeal with all the wireless stations, including Cork's 96FM, asking you to support the crisis appeal and all funds raised will be channeled through the Irish Red Cross. I'm joined by their Secretary General, Liam O'Dwyer. Liam, good morning to you. 
Good morning. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. Big day, Liam. We've all decided to get together at Wireless Group and push this to try and raise as much as we possibly can cash-wise for, for you guys. Since this, And I know there are people filling buses and vans and bringing bags of stuff here, there and everywhere. And, and there's great kindness involved. But f- from, from the very start of this, Red Cross has been asking for hard cash. Why? Um, because I, I think the people on the ground, the, the Red Cross people on the ground in uh, Ukraine and Poland and Hungary, um, they they know what's needed. Um, they have, uh, they know where to source the supplies, and we are in the business of trying to resource them to get precisely what they can use. Uh, in ter- and in the, the the containers, in the the packages. So that we need to do this quickly and we need to do it efficiently and get it out. The the problem with uh, uh, truckloads of material, unsolicited material coming is that, uh, well, obviously there's the the travel involved, there's the unpacking of it, there's the logistics, um, and that's a huge amount of additional work. And then there's the storage of same. So um, this is much more straightforward. They know what they need um, and they know where to get it. And we just resource them in in getting that. Okay. So, what kind of things are needed? Like, what are the, what are you hearing from the people on the ground? Are the are the needs the day to day needs? <clears throat> well, what's needed? Uh, obviously, there's shelter for people on the move. Um, uh, but uh, other than that, it's it's food, it's water, it's medicine in particular. Um, they they are the basics that are needed. And ironically enough, I know it sounds strange. SIM cards. We provide SIM cards for people because uh, the, the cards won't work in other countries because these people are actually on the move. They're moving out of Ukraine. Uh, there's over a million people have left already. Um, and, uh, you know, when you look at the number of people that are traversing around Ukraine as well, uh, moving to other parts, safer parts from their point of view, it's it's a, a huge number of people. We estimate that, you know, certainly by the end of next week, there would be as many as five five million people would have, will have been on the move uh, or moved right out of uh, Ukraine and into uh, the Europe. Yeah, there, I mean, there are a number of countries they can go to. You have Hungary and Moldova and Poland, Romania, Slovakia. Yeah. Yeah, and interesting, interestingly enough, uh, as well, uh, Russia, because the Russian Red Cross are on the border with Russia, and um, uh, over 120 or 30,000 people um, have already left that way. And um, I know that the the, uh, the Russian Red Cross are, are dealing with them as well um, and offering them support um, as well. Mm. So um, we've, you know, it's it's um, it's a huge operation that's been uh, undertaken at the moment, and and that's to be honest, why cash is the easiest because we can move it around then uh, mm. to uh, the, to the various Red Cross units. Uh, Poland would appear to be the place where most people are going through. So the exit of uh, out of Ukraine tends to be through Poland. And then, uh, ironically enough, even though um, we have uh, places for people to stay um, uh, just over the border, they, they many people are, are moving right through. And they're moving to relatives or friends, um, yeah. and they're, 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 they're accessing the rest of Europe. And we're, we, we know that the government here have uh, indicated that um, a large number of Ukrainians will be welcomed here. Yeah. Um, so, so from that point of view, for I know for the Red Cross, we, we're we're looking again for accommodation. We we did so for the Syrians, and um, we have a website. It's called the Pledge Irish um, uh, Pledge website, Irish Red Cross, 
um, pledged website. Uh, and that works extremely well because people then who have properties or services simply make a pledge on the website mm. uh, to us and then we follow up once, once obviously the Ukrainian people come and we know what we're dealing with. Is all of your work, uh, Liam, on the borders... I, is, I, have you any Red Cross teams going into Ukraine itself? Well, we know we have um, the Ukraine Red Cross, so they're already on the ground in there and they only operate in Ukraine themselves. I so see. what they're doing is they're, they're, they're uh, I suppose, caring for the people who have been left behind because there will be quite a number of vulnerable people who simply can't travel, older people who can't travel. And that's where the Red Cross would come in. And also the Red Cross volunteers are trained in first aid to, to like a bit like the, the Red Cross volunteers here to various levels from paramedic to uh, emergency medical technician to uh, just a, a first aider. So they're able to offer uh, medical attention and they're also in the process of setting up medical camps. But there's, I, I think in Ukraine as well, the uh, International Committee of the Red Cross are stationed there. And their goal is to make certain that the hospitals and prisons are protected mm. and that the, inf the country's infrastructure is repaired when, uh, well, it shouldn't be damaged, but it clearly is being yeah. damaged. So that it's repaired as quickly as possible in terms of, power supply, gas, uh, water, etc. Liam, in terms of the aid that's, that's been distributed, and it's wonderful to hear what's being done and what will be done with the donations people will make on the websites. How, how safe are, are your own people? I mean, they're right there in the thick of this, particularly the guys on the inside of Ukraine. How safe are they? Oh, there's, look, there, there are real issues in relation to that. And I know people have uh, had difficult, some of our members have had difficult experiences on the ground, um, not, not, just, not just in recent months, but over, over uh, in the past, because this uh, conflict or crisis has been, um, I suppose, moving along since 2014. And the Red Cross have been there in Donetsk and that has not been an easy place to be. Um, and, and so, yeah, there, there, are, there are concerns, but I, I suppose, um, I, I think generally there is huge respect about the impartiality of the Red mm -hmm. Cross. That, yes. you know, if someone is wearing a Red Cross uniform, people know that they're not aligned. They're simply there to care for people, whoever they are, whether they're from either side, it's not relevant to us. Uh, Red Cross people are, are, are meant to deal with any injuries they come across, any people they come across. And indeed, ironically enough, the International Committee of the Red Cross would do quite a bit of work with the removal of, the, of, of bodies. And it's an awful, it's an awful job, but to, to, deal with, um, to deal with them respectfully. Yeah. Well, all we can do, Liam, is wish your people, every last one of them from every single nation in that area, Wish them safety. Mm. That's all we can do. Great. No, thank wish, you. Wish them yeah, safety. No, and and we will push We will push this with everything we have to, to see can we raise an awful lot of money for the Red Cross uh, through our various radio stations. Liam O'Dwyer, Secretary General of the Irish Red Cross, thank you for being with me on the Opinion Line. So there you go. The fighting and shelling is continuing. Every single minute, more women and children in particular are suffering because the men have to stay behind. They don't have the basic human essentials to stay safe, to stay warm, 
to stay clean. They have no emergency medical supplies. Critical medicines are running low. Some places don't even have safe drinking water. And the Red Cross is involved. Red Cross in Ukraine itself. Red Cross in Hungary, Moldova, Poland, Romania, Slovakia, and even in Russia. The Russian Red Cross is involved. And we are asking you to support the Cork's 96FM Ukraine Crisis Appeal. Ourselves and C103 and all of the other wireless radio stations doing this on a national basis. And here in Cork, you go to 96fm.ie forward slash aid. And the various buttons will take you through uh, to make your donation. 96fm.ie forward slash aid. There are many more ways to send aid to Ukraine and Poland and all that. And we're happy to support and promote and mention Anything you want to do. But to send cash to the Red Cross, you do it through us. 96fm.ie forward slash aid. The Cork's 96FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Right, for the last time on the opinion line... Let us get a contestant. You got your password this morning from Casey and Ross. Send us your name. Send us the password. And for the last time on the opinion line, let's see if we can't give you some moolah. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at corkcitymarathon.ie. Children's laughter, a mother's smile, a father's warm hand of comfort in the darkness. They are the foundations of family. And even when the earth is shaking, sky falling, with no one left to take your hand and guide you through the rubble as you run, the foundation still stays strong. And a sound louder than the bombs is the beating of our hearts as one with you. Heavy fighting and shelling continues in Ukraine with grave humanitarian consequences. An increasing number of women and children are suffering alone without even the basic human essentials to keep clean, safe and warm or have access to emergency medical services, critical medicines or safe drinking water. The Irish Red Cross with Cork's 96FM needs your help now. Be the comfort in the darkness for these women and children. Please donate to the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal at 96fm.ie forward slash aid. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Right, quick mention of this lest I forget. Sunday the 6th, this weekend, this Sunday... I shall be sitting in for the great one. It doesn't happen that often, but this Sunday I shall be sitting in for the great one. Derry's taking a Sunday off, and I'll be presenting Old is Irish on Sunday from 10 till 2 on Cork's 96FM. If you want to get a mention in for anybody, uh, pj at 96fm.ie will get to me, and I'll be here live between 10 and 2 on Sunday, banging out them funky tunes. Bye. Uh, we'll have some fun with it. Good to good to be back on Old Irish Sunday from ten till two. 
Right. The Corks 96 FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Okay. Pat O'Neill, are you there, sir? I'm here. Good morning, PJ. Good. Did you drop the phone in excitement? Did I, you get it? <laughs> I dropped the phone and I just made a donation of 50 euros to the Ukraine just be, just before that. Good the dog and all jumped. <laughs> Good for you. And, then, and I'm heading off to Liverpool. If I win a few back, PJ, I'll buy the lads a couple of points. <laughs> You're going over for a match, you are? I'm going over for the game, the West Ham game, PJ. Uh, big Liverpool fan. And you know what? Well done to Quigley last Sunday. Boy. Indeed. You He's a great They're bit of stuff. Bathroom. He's a great yeah. bit of stuff. If only, if only the British commentators could learn how to say his name, we'd be doing. <laughs> <laughs> you might call him Keeney. I said no, it's Queevee. We don't speak Irish. I don't speak English either. Pat, you're beyond <laughs> ask contestant for Cash Cow on the opinion night oh. for 2022. There's money in there. There's money in there. You know that now. You know the drill. If the cow moves. If the cow moves, you lose, right? So there's money in there. I know how much is there, but you don't. So you'll hear an amount when the clock starts. You'll hear an amount. You can stick or you can go on and play on. It can go up. It can go down. You stop me anytime you want, but if the cow moves, you lose. Are we ready, Pat? Yes, please. Right, let's do this. 150 euro. Okay. One I'll play on. You'll play on. All right, brave man. Let's see what we're doing. 250 euros. Oh. He's just sticking that. You're going to stick on that and take play it 250. Right. We'll see what was oh, coming yeah. next for the crack. Two, go on. 300 euros. <laughs> <laughs> you uh-huh, got Peter, Peter. You know what, You've got the 250. My look came in. I looked after you the other two people there, and that's amazing. Thank you. Thanks very much. For, and come here to me. We will listen on Sunday on the app in Liverpool. By, do you hear me? Uh, trust, trust a text on Sunday. We'll give you a mention. All right. I, I will. Peter. All these in Irish with PJ Coogan. Thanks, PJ. Cheers, Pat. Take care. Goodbye. Good luck. Bye. Pat, our latest winner. Last one on the opinion line for this run with the Cash Cow. It's been so much fun to do. The Corks 96 FM Cash Cow with Man Point. Catch a movie, explore over 60 stores and shops till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. Mahanpointsc.ie Only on Corks 96 FM. Simon's got one later. Also Lorraine. And if you pop onto Instagram, you'll get the password if you missed it this morning. Oh, it's been such fun that game and a lovely winner in Pat 250 quid in the poker as he heads off to Liverpool with the lads for the match for the weekend 0818 96 96 96 I think we did mention this one earlier in the year when they were looking for entries and now the shortlist will be announced tomorrow Valerie Fenton is chair of Engineers Ireland Cork branch and she joins me this was about reimagining Cork City for 2101 Valerie good morning Morning, PJ. How are you doing? Hi there. You've had a good entry, I believe. Yes. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I just, yeah, I'd like to tell you a bit about um, uh, Engineers Ireland uh, design competition that we're running and is closing um, this evening. And um, we're celebrating eight years of uh, Engineers Ireland Cork Region branch. And eight years ago, back in the 1940s, Cork and the world were very different places. And we anticipate that Cork will be a very different place in eight years' time, which is why we've chosen um, the year 2101. Mm. 
we had three objectives of the competition now, which is, um, as I said, the closing deadline is tonight. Um, first of all, it was an opportunity for the engineering community in Cork, you know, to showcase their creativity and innovation on the challenges that like face our city well now and also in eight years time. Um, second of all, it was a chance to initiate um, a public conversation on the shape of Cork, you know, at the turn of the next century. Like, we really need a vision for our built environment and our society, I feel. And I feel the engineering community can step up to this, you know, to show to, um, what they believe is the vision for Cork of how Cork will look in eight years' time. And then the third thing is, like, this competition it provides, I suppose, you know, it's a fun window into the engineering profession, which, you know, given that it's Engineers or International Women's Day next Tuesday now, yeah. you know, it, it could inspire, you know, a young girl or a boy, obviously, <laughs> with an enthusiasm for a career that's solution focused. So we three objectives of the competition and um, I'm very excited. I haven't seen, I tell you now, the competition, the deadline closes this evening at four o'clock. I haven't seen it because I'm part of the judging committee. Um, but uh, obviously we're going to have um, a difficult time whittling the entries down um, that will come in because we're going to be exhibiting the, um, the entries and obviously those that place next Thursday, Friday and Saturday now in um, that's Thursday the 10th, 11th and 12th in sure. St. Peter's Church in North Main Street um, that will be open to anyone, absolutely anyone to come in and see from 10 to 5 each of those three days next week and we really invite, like it's an open call to the public to come in and engage and see what the engineering community and our partner professions as well um, see as our vision and hopefully it would, you know, um, engage the public and, you know, generate a bit of a discussion and debate, mm. no doubt, um, on, on what they believe um, a Cork should look like in eight years' time. I imagine that there is an incredible level of creativity out there and it, the hardest part of this is going to be when you do get to see them, Valerie, knocking this down to a shortlist. Yes, um, I believe so. I'm quite excited about it. Of um, we've uh, like I have been in touch in some of the consultancies, and they've come forward, and uh, we're going to have a diverse uh, number of I suppose global consultancies and also Cork-based um, engineering consultancies, and those that partner with them, um, say planners and architects as well. And I'm very excited about how it'll come out as well. We also have a student competition that's running, it happens to be in tandem as well, that was open for um, third-level students as well, which also closed tonight which we will also exhibit next week so it'll be very interesting to see the, what uh, visions that um, the younger generation have and then the then the professionals have as well so it's going to be very interesting as yeah it's going to be a challenge yeah. uh, to whittle it down to the sh- to the shortlisted and obviously then choosing the winners sure. there still is yeah, some time for people if they have projects they haven't submitted them yet they still can before the end of the day today can they Yes, absolutely. By 4pm. And I would encourage you to go on to Engineers Are in Cork website where we have our email address there that you can just um, submit there. And there is an entry fee, but it's um, you just send in the email address and you can pay online um, on Eventbrite. Um, but yeah, by 4pm this evening, um, there's still plenty of time. And as I said, then um, it'd be we're exhibiting those, the shortlisted and the winners next Thursday, Friday and Saturday in St. Peter's uh, Church in North Main Street. All right. Good yeah. luck. Good luck. Good luck with it, and best of luck choosing a shortlist from what's going to be a very creative set of entries. Thank you, Valerie. Valerie Fenton, Chair of Engineers Ireland Cork Branch, and that closing date this evening, envisaging what Cork might look like in eighty years' time, twenty one oh one. The fishermen's meeting we mentioned earlier on, the meeting about the future of our fisheries, uh, which is in Bandon tonight, and to the political party organising it. Becky was on with me earlier on. John said the two most powerful politicians in Cork are Simon Coveney and Michal Martin. 
I wonder whether they take a trip down the road to that fisherman's meeting. Martin, who has a passion for traditional Irish culture, it must extend beyond the arts. Mr. Coveney, with its interest in food and the marine. That's an interesting thought. Um, I, yeah, in regard to raising funds and helping out with Ukraine, uh, 96fm.ie forward slash aid, by the way, if you want to help the Red Cross. What if all schools were to have a non-uniform day and make a donation, just dress in yellow and blue next Friday? If any school wants to do that and send us a photograph, do feel free. Absolutely. 0818 96 96 96. Brianna, you came all the way from the USA to Cork to study and now is playing outside your window every night. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> now, it's a cool enough little tune, but, but every night. I know. It's, it's like clockwork every night at 1.30. <laughs> so where is it coming from? It's coming from the secret garden next door. So my accommodation's right, right next door. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why you're here. Why are you in Cork? So I've, I went to Ireland a long time ago with my mom to meet relatives and totally fell in love with it. So I always knew I wanted to come back here for study abroad. And I'm here, finally. Great. And you're, you're from what part of America? Uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, okay. And you're here for a couple of months. So, so the first night you arrive, you open up your window, and there's this tune. Yeah, I was like, I was like, did I even go on a plane? Like, am I still, am I still in America? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you went. To, you, you, now on your TikTok, it looks like you're going, oh my god, not again. But it's actually quite fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people thought I was. I was being literal, but it was all in good fun. It was all in good fun. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. Um, I'm a third-year criminal justice major, and, well, what do you want to know? <laughs> Tell me more about being a criminal justice major. That's an interesting one. Yeah, well, um, so I just got accepted for my master's back home for Homeland Security, and I'm doing a concentration in cybersecurity and intelligence. Wow. Because I it's super upcoming because everyone basically has a computer in their pocket nowadays. So I'm so excited for that. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you've been into the secret garden. No, not. I'm actually going tonight and I'm so excited. Oh, really? You haven't wait. been in there yet. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to finally hear it in person. Because <laughs> cause your video just went bananas on TikTok. Yeah, I, I was not expecting that at all. It was the last thing I was expecting. Yeah. You certainly didn't expect to become a TikTok influencer when you came to Cork to study to study criminal justice. I didn't. I, I, I told my dad about it. I was like, Yeah, like this this TikTok's really blowing up. Like people are people are like recognizing me in the streets and like it's crazy. And of course my dad he's he's reaching sixty five, he's like, What what is TikTok? And I was like <laughs> I was like, I couldn't explain it. I was like, just an app you share videos with. But it's 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 uh, it's it's such fun, and you've become a bit of a sensation over here. So hey. who's who's going with you tonight? So all my roommates are going with me, and we've never been before. Right. So we're we're mostly American, but then um, one of my roommates is from Holland, and one of them is from Sweden. Right. So. We're so excited to find you. And do the nice people at Secret Garden know you're coming in? 
No, I don't. I don't think they do. Well, they will. They will know now. Now, what happens when the song comes on? Do you do it? Are you practicing a special dance? You're going to TikTok that. Oh, I got it all choreographed. Trust me. Yeah, hold well on. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a blast. A blast of a night for you tonight. And and how long now? Yeah, how long more have you got to spend in Cork? So I think I'm I'm leaving end of May, but. It's gonna be it's gonna be so heartbreaking because I really I love I've never lived in the city before and it's just a great city I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said that um, when you go into Secret Garden, you, you're gonna you're kind of gonna know what song's coming on next because of the set list. Because when you open your window at night, you get the set list. <laughs> but come in, if there's something that you really love about Cork, what is it? I mean, we 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 know we know this is the best place in the world, right? So so yeah, what, yeah. what's your favorite bit about it? I think it's just like you can get a city feel from it when you want, but the scenery and just like even like the Lee River, like it's so like it gives you really you can have a city feel or you can have like it just feels like homey. It doesn't really feel like you're mixed in with a billion other people. You know, you can kind of be individualistic. Have you been for a walk along by the Lee? Have you been out to the Lee Fields and out our we're all so very proud of it. Be up on the banks of our own lovely Lee yet. Yeah, yeah. That's great. All right, listen, enjoy Secret Garden tonight. And it's, Thank you so much. God knows how many thousands, tens of thousands of views you've had on, on, on TikTok now. <laughs> and we will watch for the video. We'll be watching your right. TikTok tonight for the video. All right? I, I think I'm going to buy a speaker and, and just start playing it back to them and see if we can do like a Morse code thing That's, from now on. That's, my window. That sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. It really does. Enjoy your night and uh, good luck for the rest of your stay in Cork. Brianna Sayer from Massachusetts off to Secret Garden tonight. A TikTok sensation. I don't know how many thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views of our video. <laughs> Every night, the same time. You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.